In Puerto Rico, they call themselves Boricua. But Boricua is more than a name for a person from Puerto Rico. It's a way of life that means embracing the beauty that surrounds you, seeking adventure no matter where it may lead, and sharing that vibrant spirit with everyone you meet. And you can experience all that warm, welcoming, passionate culture set in a tropical island paradise without the need for a passport for U.S. citizens or permanent residents. Learn more about how you can live Barigua at discoverpuertorico.com. In Puerto Rico, they call themselves Barigua. But Barigua is more than just a word to identify a person from Puerto Rico. It's a way of life that means embracing the beauty that surrounds you, seeking adventure, and sharing that vibrant spirit with everyone you meet. In Puerto Rico, you can experience a tropical paradise with world-class beaches. You can immerse yourself in the rich 500-year history of Old San Juan, where there are stunning forts, classic town plazas, and iconic monuments. You can indulge in a foodie paradise with renowned restaurants, seaside kiosks, and an innovative cocktail scene. And you can take in an abundance of natural wonders like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. national forest system, all without the need for a passport for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more about the warm culture of Puerto Rico and how you can live Boricua at discoverpuertorico.com. Hi, and welcome to Travel Tales, a podcast from Afar Media. I'm your host, Deputy Editor Aislinn Green. I don't know about you, but I am finally beginning to dip my toes back into the travel waters. For example, I recently took my first flight in nearly two years, which took me to Alaska. Getting back out in the world, it really just makes me want to travel more. So, lucky for us, the creative folks I've worked with over the past seven years, comedians, philosophers, novelists, they feel the same way. So each week on Travel Tales, we'll hear from one of our favorite contributors about a trip that changed their life. Ready? Let's go. In this episode, we meet Atsuko Okatsuka. Atsuko is a comedian, writer, and actress. You can catch her alongside Randall Park on The Show Next Door coming to Roku in August, or you can watch her episode of the special Hulu series Mom and Pop, which in partnership with the media company Attention celebrates stories from the Asian Pacific Islander community. While Atsuko is no stranger to fun, she was kind of a stranger to her dad. See, she and her grandmother immigrated to the United States from Japan when Atsuko was 10 years old, and over the years, Atsuko and her dad just drifted apart. A decade later, she finally got her green card and decided it was time to reconnect with him. So she booked a flight to Bali to visit her dad where he had retired. The only problem? She and her dad had very different visions of how this reunion was going to go. Here's how Atsuko nearly lost her life, but eventually found a connection with her dad. So I guess this story really starts when I was a kid in Japan. I was 10 years old, and my grandma decided to pick me up and go to Los Angeles for two months. But she told me it was a two-month vacation, and her plan was to overstay our tourist visas. So we did that, but once we did, 
we were suddenly undocumented immigrants, so I couldn't go back home to Japan to visit anymore. And because I thought it was a vacation, I didn't get to say goodbye to my father or my friends, but especially my father, you know? Did he know I was leaving for good? I didn't know, and it hurt me to even think about. And it was extra tough because as I was figuring that out, it was also quickly sinking into me that, oh, this is my new home, Los Angeles. Kind of like a forced new home. And my dad was super busy working, and he had two other kids too in Japan, my brother and sister that he was caring for. So, you know, the only way I could see him was if he came to see me. My dad would write me letters, and initially I would write to him. But then it got hard to keep up with because things in the States got really intense. We were living in my uncle's garage and hiding, you know, because we were undocumented. And because I was a teenager trying to fit in, I developed an eating disorder. Which, by the way, a garage is not enough space to have an eating disorder in. (laughs) And I was trying to focus on the chaos immediately in front of me. Learning English, learning the culture, having crushes on boys, getting my period for the first time in a garage. (laughs) So I just lost touch with him and I stopped writing my father back. So fast forward about a decade. I finally got my green card and was able to leave the States. And so I was really excited about having a reunion with my father. I mean, it had been about a decade since I last really spent time with him. In fact, I think initially when I wanted to go see him, I didn't know he had moved to Bali. Apparently he retired there. So I thought I was going to see him in Japan. Suddenly I was like, okay, I'm going to Bali instead. Just like Eat, Pray, Love. You know, some people go to Bali to find themselves. I went to Bali to find my father. That's very poetic. I like it. He met me at the airport with his wife, my stepmom, and it was kind of awkward. I was like, there's so much to catch up on. Years, decades worth to catch up on. And my Japanese sucks now and your English is like non-existent. And like me, I think my dad also doesn't do well with awkward silences. So once we got to his place, he immediately was like, here's an itinerary. You know, Monday, we're going to eat dinner at this restaurant. And then my favorite convenience store on Tuesday. He's got me going on bicycle rides. He's got me going to rice fields. You know, he's got me seeing monkeys at the park. Just all kinds of activities to avoid having a conversation with each other. (laughs) But honestly, even though I had come to Bali to connect with my dad, I was actually kind of glad and thankful for all these activities because it was going to be hard to just sit and try to catch up on years immediately. That's a lot of feelings. And just like my dad, I like to just keep these feelings hidden sometimes. Then he gets to Wednesday on the itinerary and he's like, Wednesday, we go to the water park. Water park? I can't swim. But of course, he doesn't know me that well, because it's been 10 years. How could I say no, though? He's just so excited to see his daughter for the first time in a while. So I'm like, okay, yeah, water park. Let's go to the water park. What could go wrong? I'm sure they have life vests.
So Wednesday comes around, and we get to the water park. But it turns out the water park is just the ocean because it's Indonesia. What happens is a bunch of uncles just bring floats and boats and cones, and they just start charging people to enter, and it becomes a water park. I appreciate this kind of hustle, you know, the immigrant hustle. It's kind of like I live in LA. Sometimes there's random parking lots that someone, you know, just made up that it's twenty dollars to park at, and they just wrote it out on a sharpie and poster, and now it's an official parking lot. I appreciate that kind of hustle. So we go, and I find out that all the rides that my dad bought tickets for were just for one, for me, and he was just gonna stand at the side while he took pictures of me, you know, paragliding or going on the flying fish boat or whatever. I'm still a people pleaser, so I'm like, okay, yes, I'll get on the rides myself, I guess, while you take pictures. And then we get to the paraglider. The paraglider is basically a tarp. You know, it's uncles improvising. At least that's what it looked like to me at first. You get attached to a boat, and as the boat starts taking off, going really, really fast, you start to take off into the air with this tarp, and you have to pull on these strings to control the direction that you want to go. At a certain point, I thought I just want to be on the boat, not be dragged behind it. But whatever, my dad bought these tickets. I'm also thinking, okay, usually before bungee jumping, I think you're supposed to sign something, like a piece of paper saying, "Hey, liability, I might die." There is no paperwork, and also a person usually goes with you, you know, like a coach or a teacher or something. But none of that, no, no. In Indonesia, paragliding, you go by yourself, okay? And of course, I was freaking out a little bit, thinking this boat is going to drag me 50 miles per hour in the ocean. I have no life vest on, and I can't swim. But you know, my dad's still waving at me, taking pictures. He just looks so happy, and I'm like, I can't ruin his day. I'm going to go through with this paragliding experience. So the boat starts taking off. I run and run and end up in the air. And so I'm flying in the air, screaming, scared. I still can't swim. That's also how I found out I was an alto. By the way, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, I'm an alto. And now I'm supposed to start figuring out how to glide back down or something. And then I look down and I realize I'm too high up where the people are so tiny, and they just look like tiny little ants shouting at me. They're just like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, what? They're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, how do I get down? I think the people are shouting at me from the ground, saying something like. Pull on the string. Pull that string. I'm like, which string? I don't speak the language, and they don't have like a megaphone, so I don't know what they're saying. So I just start pulling both strings frantically, and then by that time, I'm seeing the ground get closer and closer and closer into rocks. So I come crashing down into them, and I start bleeding, you know, and like what feels like all of Indonesia comes and tries to comfort me. My dad's in this crowd of people, and he pushes his way through and finds me. He gets me some water to clean off the blood, and you know, frantically looks for alcohol to pour on me. Aunties around drinking margaritas are like, "Don't use my alcohol. This is mine." And at that moment, once I realize I'm not critically injured, I'm mad. I get mad because I'm like, "We're not even doing this together. This doesn't even feel like a good reunion." You know, I came all this way to hang out with you. I'm near the equator, but you've just got me doing extreme sports while you just take pictures on the side. And then, 
he apologizes. He has this moment where he goes, I did all this to tell you that I've really missed you and I love you. And I was like, okay, well, this was a real roundabout way to tell me that. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, beer. Yeah, beer. I like it. You like beer. We could just catch up over that. So, yeah, let's just do that. Have beers. And so we found a quieter part of the beach away from the extreme sports section where we could just sit down and have beers. And for the rest of the trip, we did more chill things like karaoke or just like a dinner, you know, on the beach. Strolls, light strolls, you know. Historically, these things are better for catching up, you know. Like, you don't want to catch up over rock climbing, you know what I'm saying? And so the pacing of the plans changed. And there were even a lot of tears because we were able to emotionally open up for the first time in a long time and also remember some good memories from the past. Now I feel closest to him out of all my family members. <laughs> I don't know if it's because we both drink and nobody else in the family does. It probably helps. I feel like I can be more myself around him. So now, Bali is a special place for me because it's where my father is. It's also memorable because I went way, way outside of my comfort zone. But the discomfort had a big payoff. I got closer to my dad. That was Atsuko Okatsuka. Since that reunion, she hasn't joined any extreme water sports, but says she did do some extreme eating over the past year and a half. Atsuko most recently saw her dad in Taiwan, on her honeymoon, no less. Yeah, I know, she says. The whole family found out and tagged along. You can listen to more from Atsuko on her excellent comedy album, The Eye Control Me, or see her live this fall when she tours the West and East Coasts. Find show dates and more at atsukookatsuka.com or on social media at Atsuko Comedy. Ready for more travel stories? Visit us online at afar.com slash travel tales. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Afar Media. If you enjoyed today's adventure, we hope you'll come back next week for more great stories. Subscribing makes this easy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And please be sure to rate and review us. It helps other travelers find the show. This has been Travel Tales, a production of Afar Media and Boom Integrated. Our podcast is produced by Aislinn Green, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lai. Post-production was by John Marshall Media staff Jen Grossman and Clint Rhodes. Music composition by Alan Kresha. And a special thanks to Laura Redman, Irene Wang, Angela Johnston, and Nina Gainsler-Debs. I'm Aislinn Green, your semi-impatient travel-ready host. I can't wait to hit the road again and again. As we begin to explore the world once more, remember that travel begins the moment we walk out our front door. Everyone has a travel tale. What's yours? What's yours?